Shemai, welcome back to the H Hour podcast. Sponsoring the podcast today and also providing you with a discount code for their online shop. Their online shop, which sells uh, trauma first aid first aid kits trauma kits individual first aid kits as well and other items of paraphernalia and you get a free patch when you purchase their trauma kits it's the aardvark group the discount code is h-h-o-u-r and you'll get 10 percent off at checkout which is pretty good aardvark group go to their shop and enter the check the discount code h-h-o-u-r aardvark provide advanced systems of protection and management of territories, borders, assets, and people for a global customer base. The Aardvark solution incorporates risk management, satellite and UAV imagery for situational awareness, safe systems for the identification and destruction of landmines and the remnants of war, and standoff explosive detection technologies. They did not mess about. They operate in the humanitarian critical defense, security, and commercial sectors in the Middle East, Africa, Asia, Europe, and the Americas, and Aardvark are widely regarded as the most effective landmine clearance system in the world. Aardvark's expertise is in the creation and implementation of safe systems for the investigation, decontamination, and handover of land impacted by the remnants of war. Following the recent acquisition of Aardvark in 2017, the new management has sought to develop and expand the company's offerings with systems and solutions that complement the company's highly regarded status. One such enhancement is the addition of advanced drone surveillance technologies providing the company with market-leading situational awareness. You should take a look at aardvark.group, check out what they do. They employ a, a significant proportion of um, of the workforce, RR ex-military and like i said got a discount code that's 10 percent off get a free patch the patches are pretty cool actually and uh discount code is h-h-o-u-r go to aardvark.group hit the shop thank you to aardvark also sponsoring the podcast today were are were they were and they are sponsoring the podcast the development society they're a community of people who want to be better than they were yesterday they're more than just a clothing company they're truly are a community of like-minded people looking to improve. From merchandise in the shop where you have to earn it, not simply buy it, to weekly Zoom yoga sessions. They're the best kind of people you can find. They're hard workers and their community is open to anyone who wants to improve. If you want to get involved, you can join the infamous Daily Waves newsletter and you can join their Slack community. They're also active on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Instagram, get them at the Development Society and to get more of an understanding about the philosophies, you should visit the developmentsociety.co.uk. Um, you've probably seen their merchandise being worn most recently, actually, on the podcast. Gav Tuak, my guest, my, my good friend and guest on the podcast, Gav Tuak. He was uh, he was wearing one of their t-shirts, and you can spot it by the pink flamingo on the on the left breast. Um, but he earned that t-shirt by completing a workout and submitting the evidence to them and he got to have that t-shirt uh yeah so the development society.co.uk the daily waves newsletter definitely sign up for that i am signed up to it a bunch of other people i know are signed up for it and uh you get cracking information every single day thank you to devsoc thank you to the development society for sponsoring the podcast 
Finally, sponsoring the podcast today are Rugby for Heroes. Rugby for Heroes are a not-for-profit organization who raise money for military charities, and they do an awesome job of it. They've got an event coming up. It's on the 26th of June. This is a biggie. This is going to be the first Rugby for Heroes uh, festival, uh, Beer and June Festival since 2020, 20, 2019. Yeah, because of the pandemic, right? What a nightmare. They couldn't happen last year. But do you know what's happening this year? Beer and June Festival. What else is happening this year at their event? The Forces Barbarians are playing Old Lemontonians Nomads. That's what's happening at this event. All sorts of uh, good stuff going on. Good food, good people, good beer, good gin, good times. Get yourself there. And guess what? Do you know how much it is? Nothing. It's free. Rock up on the day. That's all you need to do. Just turn up on the day. They've got an event right um, page where they are requesting people to register there just so they've got an idea of numbers. So if they, so if they need to, they can adjust things. But So do that. Go to at Rugby for Heroes on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, and uh, you'll find the links to the event right there. I think it's also on the website now as well, rugbyforheroes.org. Definitely get them on social media and come to the event. Forces Barbarians are playing. There's going to be a bunch of um, podcast, ex-podcast guests there. I'll be there. Uh, be flipping wild. Be good wild. Bring the family. Stay for everyone. What are you doing? Get on event right now. Book the tickets. Thank you to Rugby for Heroes and Mike and everybody behind the organization for doing what they do. I love it. I can't wait for that event. I cannot wait for that event. It's going to be incredible. That's it. On to the podcast. My guest today is John Beamson. John Beamson uh, is ex-Royal Artillery and he is the founder of Robust Tours and a bunch of, uh, and a bunch of related um, ad- adventures. Should we say extreme adventures? He'd probably disagree. Challenges. He creates... Incredibly hard challenges for incredibly driven people. This is the H-Hour Podcast, and my guest today is John Beamson. Enjoy. That's, uh, it's not tea, there's nothing in that. It's just water. Literally just water. Flavoured well. water. There's no additives or anything. I might be bullshitting that, but there's not a, there's not a lot in there. Yeah, it's we're nice. recording, we're recording, by the way. Yeah, cool. I get I get bored pe- peppermint tea sometimes, but there's, you go into Marks and Sparks, or in fact Lidl or Aldi anywhere, and they have a bunch of different flavors: raspberry and strawberry, mate, oh, cranberry, and also just stay away from the ones that got ginger in them. Just like drinking mustard. Yeah, it's just like a general rule of life, isn't it? Do you it's know like, what I mean? It's like what? A general rule of life. The- <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Hey. Uh, no, no. John Beamson, pleasure having the studio. Cheers, mate. Absolutely blown away to be here. And uh, cheers. You've got your pint. I've got me H two O. You've got you've got H two O. You got peppermint tea and you got a uh, Coke Zero. I know. I'm going to end up in the car park shadow boxing later on. I think. Fuck me, you were booming <laughs> through. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. Fine. Better that than being quiet. All oh, right. Okay. okay. Um, mate, I said to you before we started. Two years ago, I was driving a lorry, listening to the H O podcast. Two years later, I don't drive lorries, and I'm on the fucking HL podcast. <laughs> hey, it's You've a, made it, yeah, mate. You've achieved everything in life. It's that's over. Like retire now. Retire job job now. done. Um, consistency, that's the answer. <laughs> we don't know what the question is, but that's the answer. Well, uh, what you, you, you were talking before we started. You had a debt. Right? You, so you, you're a bit manic at the moment, right? Traveling oh. everywhere. You're basically riding the wave. Yeah. Go on. So what's going down? Mate, so about, what, a week and a half ago, I put my notice in on my day job and said, big cigar, see you later, gents. I'm off to conquer the world. And uh, I've just had event after event after event 
and everything's just tied in where it's like, right, I'm going here, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, I'm seeing him, I'm seeing her. And at the moment, honestly, I feel like if King Kong turned up, I'd, I'd be game. Like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, f I fucking... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'd be like, yeah, I'm fucking feeling good about myself. Right, where's me, where's me gum shield at? And I'd be out there scrapping. But like the old days back in Germany, mate, having a mix-up. I don't mean the ones from Woolworths either. So I'm proper, like, on that fucking cusp at the moment where it's just like batting constantly mate sixes every day fucking fastballs bosh out out the fucking ground so i'm chuffed what's the what's the aim what are you trying to achieve well the aim is this uh i'm gonna have the biggest adventure company in the uk that's 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 gonna happen um i'm on my fucking i'm on that genghis khan journey mate but without the you know slaughtering and all the other stuff that he used to do a bit more bit more level but yeah, I'm coming for the lot. I'm, I'm a mad scientist when it comes to making events. I make events that test people. That's what I do. And if that's what you're about, then that's what I'm about. So we should really be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. That's, that's fair enough, mate. In a, in, 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 in a nutshell. What about... Um... So, from what you took, the way you said that there, then you not seeing other event organisations as competition necessarily. Oh no, there's some there's some great event companies. Um, there really is, and there's a lot of them coming from the veteran-owned space. Um, I don't see them as a competition, mate. I can't take every single fucking Tom, Dick, and Harry out, but we can all work together. I'm I, I work in hand with a load of other veteran-owned outdoor companies. I send work their way; they send it my way. Um, I've had them come on my events, I go on their events. Like, there's a lot of symbiosis. And um, I do the same with the civvies as well, like civvy companies. Um, I just believe, mate, if you've got a big cock, it doesn't matter who else has got one. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're confident in what you do and you, you, you're there, then you're not worried about what the guy left and the guy right's doing because you're like, well, I know I'm good. So I'm cool being in that space. I just don't see... Competition's good because it keeps you going forward. It makes you think, oh, can he's doing some good stuff there. I'll have to just... And it keeps pushing. If you just average all the time, there's no growth, is there? Do you know what I mean? If you were the only veteran podcast, you may not raise your game. You might not be getting more cameras. You might think, well, I'm top boy anyway, aren't I? But you've said, oh, I'm getting more cameras and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. It's forcing you to think, mm, don't sit around waiting too long because that, that person... They're planning their podcast, and it's all right being on top of the mountain now, but someone's coming for that title, mate. That's how I think. Like, I I do exactly what it says on the tin, mate. Ron Sealman, fucking I've been since about 2002. And when I'm out there training in the hills, I know there's someone fucking training for my title. And that, that's fine, because that's the motivator. That's what's keeping me going. Need to do a bit more, need to work a bit harder, need to keep pushing forward. Time is one thing, we all get old. But, you know, you just have to keep on going. And I put it out there all the time here. Like, I've got an event called Shot the Title, right? It's called Shot at the Title. And I know that I'm fucking the kiddie when it comes to fucking speed marching. And that's a bold claim, but I've just said it, and it's fucking fact. And that event is there, and anyone who wants to come and get it, they can come and get it. That's a very bold claim. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> fucking rounds down, <laughs> rounds down range, mate. Go on. The fucking so flags up. So basically, back it up. So basically, 
it's the first one's going to be on the 12th of June, and it's going to be the Yorkshire Three Peaks, best effort, carrying, 10 kilos or 22 pound. We're going to go off in a relay, staggered file, and you just got to go for it. How can we choose in 22 pound, not like the minimum? Uh... Because I don't want trail runners coming, because it, it, it takes like... It takes no, that. I mean, why not heavier, like the 35 pound? Because um, I want to sort of keep it at a level where a lot of people... If I, if I made it too heavy, it's not really that inclusive, is it? And already I've got women saying to me, I'm game for this, like. So you're not necessarily pushing it as a do what the military do? Mm. No, I'm not interested in that. There's, there's loads of people in that space. Um, and they, they can have that space. I don't run... I see, I thought you were doing that. I mm. didn't realise. No, no, I, I'm not... I'm not coming for that title. I'm not coming for, like, ex-military dude. Like, Robust Tours draws on things from the military, but it's not like, let's fucking get our C4 on and let's go and do, you know, webbing and all that. It's just... I, I don't wear military kit. Are we good? Yeah. I thought, fucking I thought, booming through, man. I thought you... <laughs> sound. Go on. I thought you were coming across the I'm table. I'm just pulling the microphone. <laughs> so no, off. I don't, Your uh, microphone's off, John. There's... There's plenty of companies doing that, mate, and they can have that space. I'm not interested in that. Like, I'm doing it in, in a slightly different way. And I think, and as well, Hugh, I don't want to encourage people to carry ridiculous weight for no reason. We had a reason in the forces why we carried weight. Because if we had to go and fight and carry what we had to carry, then there's reason to it. But Sarah, who works in Greg's, why does she need to carry, like, £45? For what reason? So why carry any weight at all? Well, to keep it competitive so I don't have trail runners coming in clean fatigue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a, do you know what I mean? So everyone's starting with the same weight. And what I'm saying is, it's £22 going out, it's £22 coming back in. So, you know, people are going to have to carry their own food and water. So everyone's at the same level. So it's just a way... Because some trail runners may come in clean fatigue. And if I'm carrying all my hiking gear, then naturally they are going to be faster than me because they're going to run it. But if you put that weight on them, that weight might just be the leveller to bring them back down a little bit. So it's £22 plus food and water. Push food and water, yeah. Understood. And then what we do is we have a jack wagon, aka safety wagon, sort of where we can halfway around where there'll be water, nutty, isotonics, some safety, some med cover. So there's that element of it. So there's a little bit of sort of like, you know, if someone needs to restock or someone's having a problem, they can go there and it's job done. And let's, then they can crack on. Let's get back to uh, your bold claim. Yeah. So you you saying you're the I top, do it. Top I do it. Top I top go on. I do I do this every day, mate. Like every day I'm out doing howling distances. My Strava is fucking up there, legendary, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I I don't dine out on what I fucking did. I dine out on what I fucking do. And on Friday, I did 50k in 10 hours on the fucking nose, right? And that was carrying my 22 pound. That's self-nav, self-supported. We're not going around the loop fucking track, which everyone does. You know, we're, we're doing things properly. When you're navving it yourself, you're adminning yourself. It's all part of it. None of this, none of this fucking waymarked, turn left ear bullshit. We're talking the real deal. We're talking real pressure. You know what I'm saying? And we use like a, we're using, and we're going to escape the lakes, but we're using a proper training area. We're not using, you know, toy town training areas where we can practice our life away. 
we're using a bit of the unknown. So I back it up, mate. Um, I've done 50 milers. I've done 24 hour hiking challenges. Last year I just did um, 120,000 steps in a day. Um, I've done the Goggins. I've done all the edges and ledges in the Lake District in under 12 hours. You know, I go up and down mountains like people go up and down Asda to get the bread. It's what I do. <laughs> it's what I do, mate. And I'm really fucking comfortable at being really fucking uncomfortable. And that is a direct quote from the man Goggins. But it is what it is, mate. It's a bold claim, but I back it up because where are we at today? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, doing the Snowdonia Horse Hill. I'll fucking piss all over that. Uh, never done it before, but top nav, top fizz, top mindset. It'll get flashed. And then I'll be in Wales a bit longer because I'm going to recce um, Escape Snowdonia for next year. Method to the madness, mate. You should set up a, a Masters, a, a, a events, event, extreme events running Masters event where all, all, the, all the people who run the events all go head to head. Yeah, well... Like when black belts fight each other. Yeah. Well, obviously... Um, See, he's the king of the mountain then. Yeah, mate, I've got the title. I've got the belt. <laughs> it's there. Come and take it from me. Come and take the title. It's here. It's a t and and by the way, the the prize money is two hundred and fifty quid. So if you win, you win two hundred and fifty quid, and if you win, you get to come back on the next one for free, to to see if you can hold on to the title. You got to put real pressure on it. You got to put some real spin on it. Like that two hundred and fifty quid's my money, by the way. You taking food out of my fucking fridge? Do you think I'm gonna let that happen? Nope. And so you do the event as well? You're fucking right, I do. I'm the you, fucking... You do the event to yep. try and beat the competitors? Yep. Jesus. You can't, you can't not be the run sale man, mate, and not fucking do what you said you were going to. Do you know what I mean? You've got to do it. You've got to turn up. I'll turn with a big fucking cigar. Right? Who's fucking here? Because I'm here. Combat cigar. Combat cigar, yeah. Combat cigars, mate. Combat cigars, mate. Combat cigars. Combat cigars. <laughs> Combat cigars, get in touch. Um, absolutely. Um and that's at the very extreme end, but I also, Hugh, I also love seeing people come from being here to there and having, you know, a lot of success. Like, I've helped a lot of people. I helped the last climb my first ever mountain a few, a few months ago, and um, it was fucking unbelievable. It, for her and for me, it was just an amazing experience because she'd never been up a mountain before. What was the backstory? You know, she's lost a lot of weight, she's had confidence problems, um, all that sort of horrible stuff, and she's got into personal development, she's got around the right people, and then she just said, um, I'd really like to climb a mountain, John. I said, we'll fucking get it cracked. And it was her Everest, mate, like she fucking gave everything to, to get up that mountain, and she did it. And then we got down, and she said, what's higher than this? And I said, fucking hell, let's do it. So she's, for her birthday, She's doing Scarfall Pike for her birthday. And that, you know, there's that side of it, Hugh. There's, there's people really making a lot of changes in their lives and wanting to push themselves 10, 15% more. And, and I'm all for that. And I, and I help people do that. Well, it's accomplishment, right? And in those situations, uh, there, there are people who really find it hard mm -hmm. to push themselves. Yeah. And so they need to be, they, they, they need to be pushed by someone else. Mm -hmm. 
But once that trigger is pulled and they get pushed by someone else and experience, for example, climbing a mountain for the first time, then they motivate themselves. Mm. They've made a life change. They've achieved something they didn't think was possible yeah. at all. And they've changed their mindset. They've changed their outlook on life. They've changed what they, what they thought they were capable of now. What they think they're capable of now is as, as far as... As far surpassed what they thought they were mm. capable of beforehand. You're right, mate. It's a life changing experience for people. But this is why I like like events like yours, yeah. things like uh, you know, the Wolf Run, yeah. all the Civ Pop stuff, the Wolf Run, nuclear races and all stuff like that. Because there are events where you can you people quite often get pulled into them as part of a group of friends gonna gonna do it for a charitable cause or for some other reason. Mm-hmm. And they end up going out especially I mean yeah, like the Wolf Run is one of those, as an example of, of just because I've been there, experienced that. My missus did it with her friends. Yeah. And they get pulled into it. Maybe they don't want to do it. And like fucking this. They get motivated to go and maybe do a bit of training for one. And they do it. And they've achieved something. They've got a fucking medal run of it. Mm. And it is hard. The event, you know, yeah. th- these are not easy. I, you know, I, I see where you're coming from. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, there's two angles to it. It's, it's helping people who could do with help and are willing to go and just uh, put themselves in a bit of discomfort and mm-hmm. they find it fucking incredible. And it's also enabling people to, to, to do, who are already motivated to go and do, to push themselves to the max. It's something that's a little bit different that they have, they don't really understand. There's, there's a big, Instagram's great, right? But there's a lot of fucking big time Charlies on it. And I sent Escape the Lakes to people who I thought, yeah, this would be right up their street. And they didn't want anything to do with it. And I thought, fucking hell, like, how can that even be? I've got people doing this event, you know, just normal everyday people. And I'm like, this has been, this has been set at a level where if you're from, you don't even have to be ex-forces, you can just be someone who likes to fucking taste day out. And the, the lack of confidence that I've seen from so-called big players makes me know that, Fucking hell, there's a lot of people bullshitting here. There's a lot of people who can't do what they say they do. And unless they're in their own bracket and they're doing what they know, they can't back it up. And they're frightened to fucking come somewhere new and think, fucking hell, who's this guy? Am I going to get dusted? And I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I've sent it to all the big Instagrammers. Oh, sorry, mate, my nana's died. What? Oh, you know that already? It's fucking, not, events not for three months. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, but so-and-so. And And you're like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? All the excuses. It gets embarrassing. I would rather you just say, not not for me, that mate. Um, Nah, not not my cup of tea. All right, fair enough. But it's the excuses that people make, and I've been really shocked because I see their Instagram posts, and I think, fucking hell, they're getting after it, aren't they? And then you send them something, and it's every excuse under the sun, and you think, fucking hell, what's going on here? They just don't want it. And... Yeah. Do you know? Do you know? What I think it I comes do. from. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel. I feel like it's if they don't do well, they'll have to do the fucking the first honest post they've ever done in their life, where they're gonna have to say, "Fucking hell, guys, I fell short here." We've we've become unable to hold our hands up and say, "Fucking tried, guys, but I fell short." I went caving on Saturday. I, you know, I've been getting fucking beasted. I've been beasting myself because I didn't like it, but I put myself in the position and I did what I said I would do. I turned up, I did everything they threw at me, and I said afterwards, thanks guys, I'll be in touch. When? Keep you posted. <laughs> but I'd done it. Yeah, I know what you mean, but... <clears throat> I know what you mean, but also, 
you know, it's not always going to be I, I, reading between the lines, and it's not that that unwillingness to engage with what you're doing or take part in it is like that one aspect could be that depending on who you're talking about. Yeah, and I don't want to know. No, 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 no I'm not. Right. I'm not going to. And be uh, stink. and. That could be one aspect. The, there's other aspects to it as well, though. Like you're saying, that, that is a, a very... You were potentially encroaching into a very protected space mm -hmm. or what people see as a very protected space. Yeah. And uh, and so you've also got the element of people may not want to be involved just because they don't want to be associated with it because of other things or people they're associated with. Yeah. You know, but, but going back, the way I see things like this is... In fact, it's actually a lesson I learned from fucking jeweler in stratford upon Avon, not far from you oh uh, yeah and I, the, the jewelers on little street and um walked in there and i was going to look at some bespoke like uh, brooch thing for a company that asked me to look at uh get doing for them randomly and there was a jewelers opening up the opposite side of the street to this jewelers and i said fucking hell mate that's a bit of a nightmare isn't it and the guy said not really. I said, why? He said, because we've, that's like the third jewellers up in the street now. There's one at the road. And he said, what that jewellers is bringing is more people will come to this street for mm. jewellery. That means there's more footfall on this street because of that. My competition is opening up across the road. So it's better for all of us because that's opening it up. Mm. You get more people come to Stratford to go to that street with three jewellers on. I thought, fucking hell. Mm. What a brilliant way to look at it. And it's the same in that you look at you look at Wolf Runs and nuclear races and all that. Yeah, yeah. People want to tick every single box. Yeah, I've done Wolf Run. I've done nuclear races. Mm. I've done that. They each attract more people to their yeah, space. Yeah. Coffee. <laughs> Another example, I was talking to Neil, yeah. um, Neil earlier from Explorer Coffees. You know, and it's that loads of veteran-owned coffees out there now. Yeah. And people want to tick the boxes. Yeah, they want to tick ones. the boxes. I've owned Green Beret Coffee, Explorer Coffee, Flipping Hidden Warriors Coffee over there, you know, Contact Coffee, you name it, I've owned most of those coffee. I have no, I have known them all. I've owned, I've owned most of them now. You know, and that's that's not because of a lack of loyalty in one particular brand. It's because I, I like the... Well, I'm off the coffee now. But yeah, when yeah. I was drinking the coffee, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I want to tick the boxes. Yeah, yeah, people want to collect the fucking badges, don't they? Yeah. It, so it's, it's a... Generally, it's a good thing. I think it's a bit closed-minded to to see competition wholly as bad and not, and definitely not to engage. Mm. And uh, and another another area I've seen that that positive business sort of mindset on competition is in the uh, surveillance and private investigation industry with a company called Argus Europe. I trained with, yeah. and and Nick McCarthy, at their, the head of those guys, he's exactly the same. The security industry and surveillance and private mm. investigation industry is cutthroat. They're fucking wankers, right? I hate that industry, generally speaking. Mm. But then you get companies like Nick's Argus Europe, you get companies like uh, All Seen Surveillance, you get any other companies that, that, that are in that, that group of, I see them as a group, other people don't see them as a group. There's a group of very trustworthy, very honest companies and i would go to any one of them they have the competition of each other in, in many ways in other ways they're not but they attract business to each other because they're honest if i was to go to argus europe as a client who didn't know argus europe said mm. argus i need this i need i need you to do this uh service for me and argus said we can't do that they wouldn't say we can't do that and that's it they would say we can't do it but go and try these guys mm. and it's the same thing the, the sort of that positive outlook attracts people to you and you know i, I suppose Maybe in that space you're in now, it's going to be a challenge because you've got 
it's the military space. It's also you encroaching on the SF space. Yeah. You are perceived to be encroaching the SF space. You've got to think about it. The egos are involved. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the comp, how competitive we all are. Extremely competitive. You can't deny it. And that is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge challenge. I mean, where, where, does I, it, where does the drive come from, mate? Where does your fucking energy come from? Because you're a wild man. Because I was, I was gash, mate, four years ago. What do you mean? I was just shit. I was unmotivated. I was probably 10 kilos heavier than I was now. I had a shit transition from the military. It was everyone's fault but my own. The world owed me a favour. And when I finally put that ego, ego to one side and I started like, having a bit of personal development and listening to people, I started unlocking boxes. You know what I mean? And now I'm just a super-driven guy. Like, and I just, I just want to... Get as many people as I can out and realise that we we get one fucking shot at the, the title, which is life, and you've got to make the most of it. And it doesn't matter if it's, I'm hanging out, whatever level you're hanging out, it's the same level. Because no matter if you're mega unfit or mega fit, if you're pushing hard, you're hanging out. It's just just different levels of like where you are in the pack. But there's this sort of thing at the moment where people want to be like, you know, or they want to be inside themselves all the time, or maybe next week, or maybe the week after. No, none of that's guaranteed, do you know what I mean? Like, you've got to make the most of your life, and you've got to not be fucking afraid of being in a bit of discomfort and a bit of fucking pain or a bit of fear or whatever it may be. You need to just think, this is it. This is the one crack at the life I'm having, and I need to make it the best as I possibly can. And that's where my drive comes from, because I've created a community, Robust Tours, is a community of people who just fucking say, yeah, what time is it, what time is it starting? Seeing a car park. Do you want to know any details? Don't matter. Fucking got me sandwiches, boots fit, meals getting through. And I love it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just love that mentality. Doesn't matter what the challenge is, seeing a fucking car park. And, like, I've passed that on to people, and from that, subgroups have created from my own group. And I love it when I get tagged in a post on Instagram and it's, four people who met on my event who didn't know each other before that and then they found each other and now they're like, oh, we're off to do this and we're off to do that. I take great, I take like great pride and great sort of like, get on, fucking nice one. Um, friend of mine, Chrissy, she's off down to do the Jurassic Coastline next week and I just said, you probably win it, mate, because you'd be fucking tasty as fuck. You've done loads of my events. You're just a different animal than everybody else will turn up on the line. And I was like, I reckon you'll win it. She's like, yeah, I fucking think I'll win it as well. And I was like, Phew. When's that event? Get on, next weekend. Jurassic Coastline. What caused the change in your mentality? Because it's pretty extreme now. As yeah, a positive yeah. extreme. Hundred percent, mate. You know. Um well, I just got rid of the I just got rid of the war to me attitude. I just got rid of the like, yeah, but I was in the army and I did Afghan, so everyone owes me a fucking turn. And then when I quickly realised that oh no, no one owes you a turn. There's opportunity here, but you've got to you've got to work for it. You know, being in the forces will open, maybe he's open one or two doors or maybe he's get you listened to a little bit. But you've got to have substance to it. You've got to have passion behind it. You've got to have the, the, the qualifications. You've got to have your own credibility. And knock the boozing on the head, mate. Changed my sort of friend circle. Got into different things. Um, when did you realise? When did you realise you needed to change? Mate, I went on a... Everything happens for a reason, doesn't it? So I was trucking, you know, Yorkie bars, caps and all that. <laughs> Breaking 1-1 and all that, smoking the bandit territory. And I got 
a friend of mine said, oh, we've had someone drop out on the National Three Peaks. Um, you used to be in the army. Like, that's the fucking precursor for everything. Well, that means I can just do everything. Um, the bus is already paid. You just have to pay the price of the event. And I was like, yeah, yeah, go on then, mate. And it, best thing I ever did, mate. Turned up with my old, um, my old army boots on. Uh, Northern Ireland patrol sack. Worst, worst, worst bags in the world. Um, and just dined out on, on, on what I, what I used to do. Hung out my ass. Got butchered by a load of fucking accountants and civvies. Do you know what, mate? When you get, when you get humbled or embarrassed, whatever word you want to use, is a fucking lot to be said for it, mate. There's a lot to be said, and I just thought, I can't keep up with these lads, but I will not be last. I will not be last. And the guy who ran the event, coming down off, um, coming down sort of Scarfold Pike, I said to him, what is it you do for a living, mate? Because I just thought like he did this on a weekend, as like a, for whatever. And he's like, I do this. And I was like, what, what, how? What, what, how's this? What is this? And he said, look, give us a ring, dude, next week, and we'll have a chat. And he probably gets that question every week. You know what I mean? Duty fucking all in bloke coming down Scarfold Pike. Fucking mega. Um, and he never gets the phone call. But with me, he got the phone call. Um, and I just was like a sponge ever since then. And like, I got bought, I got bought a Fitbit for my birthday, right? I was like, you know, steps and that. I was like, oh, fucking hell, 10,000 steps. 20,000, 30,000, 40,000. And I just got addicted to steps. So I was like, can't go out on Friday night. I'm off to do 80,000 steps on Saturday. Sorry, lads, can't come out now. I'm doing 80,000 steps. And I just got addicted to like, how far can it go? Um, to a funny story, you're like this. Um, 100,000 steps, right? So I got to a point where I was like 60, 70,000 steps. And I was like, right, how far can this actually go? So did me old, you know, how many steps can you do? And it was 100,000. And it was 100,000 according to Fitbit. And then that's it. I was like, right, fucking game on, 100,000. So as you do, find myself 50, 50 mile set of real estate. Found that. North Yorkshire Mirrors. See you later. Said to Zero Charlie. See you later. I'm off to go and crack 100,000 steps. Um, got... Got about 90,000 steps in it, mate. Went blind in my left eye, pissed myself and collapsed on the fucking hilltop. Failed. <laughs> Stand up, sit down, fail. Fucking hell. Had to phone me, mate. Come and get us, mate. I'm in shit state. Can't see out my left eye. Um, what happened? I, well, just exhaustion, I think, mate. How far did you go? I got about uh, 92,000 steps in, which was about 41, 42 mile-ish. Ish. What prep did you do? None. I was in the army, one of fucking 85. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I just fucking cracked it. No, I'd, I'd done like, I'd got into hiking by then, but I'd not done enough to be able to go and do an unsupported 50 miler. Do you know what I mean? Like, ran out of all bad admin, all on me, feet were in shit state, ran out of water, didn't have any food left, was on fucking boilies. Like, it was bad times. It was a bad day of Black Rock, mate, honestly. And like, I was mooching and I was thinking, fucking hell, everything's like getting hard. Like, basic tasks are now getting hard. My head torch was dying. I knew it was dying. And I thought, oh yeah, we're changing batteries on head torch. It's dead hard, isn't it? Because um, you're monging it. Yeah, you're there, aren't you? That's severe. Yeah. That's severe. You yeah. think about how little energy it takes to take the head torch off your yeah. head yeah. to change, change the batteries. batteries. That's where I was at. And that is an incredible task. And I was Man, like... Man, I haven't felt like that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I knew I was in a bad state. And then with my left eye, I was like, hmm, 
my long my long term vision starting to like and things are looking a bit blurry and then it just got closer and closer and closer to where like my vision was just fucking blurry and I was like well God give us two eyes anyway didn't he so I'll just fucking crack on right eye job um, and then like this is how bad it got I was like I need a piss couldn't even my fingers my dexterity had gone I couldn't do my couldn't do my button couldn't do my couldn't do my button nor my strap on my belt so I just thought fuck it where were you at this point North Yorkshire it was where what altitude oh it wasn't high maybe it's like 200 meters along the coast but oh right but I but I was like 40 plus miles in and I was just like oh well I'll just fucking lie in this grass here then <laughs> and just fucking like took took a knee Jesus. I'd had someone turn up like a runner turn up and was like fucking hell mate you all right and I was like uh, no. <laughs> Honest answer. No, I'm not alright. I think I fucking overextended myself. But what came from that was learning that that sort of distance is dangerous to do one, to not do it properly. So now when I run that as an event, I have support staff. So I didn't fuel up properly and I didn't have enough hydration. So I rectified it and I learned from my mistakes. And now it's a fucking little funny story that I tell the people. Because when I said, when people ask me about that event, I'll go, oh, here's a funny story for you. When I did it for the first time, I went blind in one eye and I pissed myself. And that is a very, very brutal story to tell. Um, John, who works in Boys on the Till, because he's like, okay, no, it's bad enough doing it. Hit on a Friday night down the gym for half an hour. Oh, oh where does that go to? But, well, it's the importance of prep, right? Yeah, but it's learning, do you know what I mean? Like, but again, I was prepared to go at that point because I was driven, maybe he's wrongly driven to, because I could have done long-term damage. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I've talked about this before. Like, David Goggins is a legend. Right? He is a legend. But sometimes the Goggins, you, you sometimes need protecting from the Goggins mindset because you can hurt your body too much because you push, 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 and you can get to a point where you can do irreversible damage where you think, oh, I'm going to just crack on, I'm just going to crack on. And maybe you break something. <laughs> or maybe you affect the internal workings of your system, and then there's no coming back from it. Um, when I did the Goggins four miles every four hours for 48 hours, like that was a great that was a great challenge. But after that, I didn't run for two weeks because my fucking hip burst. It was like it's like a really good point. Seeing out of my fucking aliens. Yeah. My knees were hurting, um, and you know, it's good to push yourself. It's good to have a Goggins mindset, but sometimes. You know, you need that self-care as well. You need that, like, am I now doing detrimental long-term damage to myself? Or am I, look or am I looking for lad points or likes on Instagram because I want to be dead early and fucking... It's a good point on that, is that um, he, he, you can get caught in the trap of thinking, especially people who, who aren't accustomed to physical hardship mm. or mental hardship or ever have been. So you can easily think so couch potato can easily think because they're watching a motivational video or whatever. Mm. Like, i'm gonna go out and smash 10 miles tomorrow yeah even just walking it when they haven't walked a fucking mile right so that isn't the target you want to be setting yourself really for that for what you're saying there because you'll injure yourself 100 yeah. i'll give you an example in a minute uh, from my own but you you want to be aiming for so even like people who are listening or watching this and and they exist it's like Couch potatoes used to serve, used to fucking smash out 10 miles on the Friday morning, mm. a 50 mile fucking whatever, and be fine. Now they haven't done anything for five, 10 years, 15 years. And I had the same mindset at one point with um, with tabbing. I didn't tab I didn't go tabbing for ages. And mm. I thought, oh, can you go? I'm not going to do any of it 
because I want to do a 10 miler because anything less is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to do a two yeah. miler in fucking 14, 15 minutes. Yeah. Anything else is bullshit. That's not the case. All you want to be doing is getting off and doing doing more than what you're doing now. Mm. And that's the achievement. Couch potato, get off the couch and go and do more than what you're doing now. You're not going to be able to run five miles tomorrow. But you know what you can do? Yeah. Maybe you can maybe you can walk, run, walk a mile. Did you do that yesterday? Have you mm. done that in the last five years? No, you fucking haven't. So go and walk, run, walk a fucking mile today. And then tomorrow, see how you feel. And then target the next little one up. I did a... It's a good point about the long-term injury, right? Mm. I, mate, I used to smash out, smash out the fizz. I'm fit as fucking as in, as we all are, right? Yeah. And uh, especially on tabbing fitness. And then a few years ago, um, I decided to raise some money for my kids' football team. And it was a piece of piss, right? It was going to be a 40-mile tab with zero weight. Okay, 40 miles, zero weight. I've done 50 miles with 50 mm. pounds, right? 40 miles of zero weight is fuck all. And uh, that's not me saying, oh, I did 50 miles, 50, fucking 50 pounds. <laughs> well, look at me. Yeah. And when you compare that to SF flesh and fucking cheers, nothing, right? But the point is, I can do that quite easily with weight. 40 miles is nothing. Mate, I got it. I, I went out running about uh, two months, two and a half months before. I sprained my ankle really badly. I couldn't do any training. Uh, the week before that 40 miler, I cycled 10 miles of the route because I wasn't because the, the five miles out and five miles in, I wasn't sure of. Yeah, yeah. Cycled it. I got on that 40 miler, got around it. I was in agony at the end, but did it, okay? And um, like, did it not a drama when I got in, I can hardly fucking walk. All the pain at my feet, just at natural hot spots. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Right. The shit's it next day, but as you would be with no fucking training for it whatsoever. I had a tab for the best part of six years. But... Every morning for the next six, seven, eight months after that, every morning I get out of bed and I've been agony in my right foot. Mm. Only for about a minute or two. My right foot was fucked. I didn't injure it on the tap. It was merely a case of my muscles were not used to doing that distance at all. Mm. Bearing in mind I was regularly running mm. up until six weeks before. Regularly running. I'm really active because they weren't used to... All we're doing is walking, man. Walking 40 miles. Six, seven, eight months after, I, my right foot was agony every time wow. I got up. I couldn't put any weight on it. You know, and when you think I'm a person who's, who is generally super active, who was really used to work running and tabbing with weight two, three, four times a week when mm. I was serving, and that happened to me, and you, you go and think about, like you're saying, people that are lack of prep, you need to build yourself up. Yep. But, but not being able to do something in, in like five or 10 miles, whatever you want to aspire to get to do, not, not being able to do that straight away is an inhibitor to you doing anything at all. all mm. Anything at all. Target target more than what you're doing now. It's all it has to be, more than what you're doing now. And that's an achievement. And then the next time you're going to do something, target more than what you did last time. And all of a sudden, you'll find yourself being able to run two miles, five miles. Then you're doing, before you know it, you're running 10 miles and you're fucking loving life and you've lost weight or you're running, whatever it is, press-ups. Oh, I run, or pull-ups. Pull-ups are classic. Mm. We don't wanna, I want to I bang out 20 or 30 pull-ups in a time. Well, good luck doing that. Because if you're not willing to start just achieving one today, or two today, or three today, and tomorrow, then you're going to achieve nothing. I went on a right rant there. Anyway, go on. No, mate, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's true. And, like, um, people come to me and they'll say, oh, yeah, I want to I wanna come on this or I want to come on that. And if I don't know them, I'll say, I'm honest with people. Like, I'm not here just to take people's money and just watch them fail. I'll say, that's a fucking hard event, that, mate. Um, you know, tell us a bit about what you've done. And don't tell me that, you know, you were in the Army fucking 10 years ago because... So was I, and it's not fucking relevant. Um, and they'll say, oh, I've done New Yorkshire Three Peaks, and I've done this and I've done that. And I'm like, okay, cool, so we've got we've got something to work with then. 
But I, I'm more prepared. I, I, I'm more prepared to go out with people and um, build them up. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I go out with people who are fucking strong. So I know where I am in the pack. Do you know what I mean? And I, I look at certain people and I think, fucking, I'm like a machine. And one thing I'd say about hiking, tabbing, jumping, whatever you want to call it, is it kind of suits many body types. You can be a bit of a combat pig, can't you? You can carry a bit of weight, but fucking monster hills. Like, it's not out of fashion. Like, it suits people really well. It's not high impact. It's not bad on the joints. It's great for sort of fresh air. It's a great for clearing, clearing thoughts. It's a great way to build a, a community. It's all of these things. And I think wherever we live in the UK, there's somewhere to go, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? You don't have to... If you're from down south, you don't have to spend a fortune going to the Lake District. There's plenty around you. In lockdown, I created like four or five routes locally to us. And I said to people who were coming on events with me, there's five routes for you to do. There's a 10K, there's a 15K, there's a 20K, and there's a 25K. I suggest we all just start at that fucking 10K, 15K marker before we just think, fucking 25K, 60 pound. No, 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 no. Don't do that because you'll fucking hurt something. And forget lad points. It's not relevant, you know what I mean? Build build up to something, and I think that's again, it's the inner comp. I'm very competitive, mate. Like I, I am, um, but I'm very competitive against myself. Like I'm not where I want to be at the moment. I can tell stories, but I have fucking I had two businesses, and I'm starting to see I see, and I had a full time job, and my dad's fucking dying of Parkinson's disease. So mix all of this together, and my time is fucking non-existent, hence why I go to the gym at four in the morning. Because if I don't go at four, I ain't going, because I don't have the time. 24 hours in a day, mate. Yeah, I know, I know all that, mate, yeah, but I'm fucking, I need to sleep six of them. Do you know what I mean? So I've got to get it done, Hugh. Like, I know all of the fucking most inversional things. I've watched the Arnie speeches, and I, I know it all. But lockdowns, you know, as of today, things have changed, and now it's time to get back in the groove. And um, I love Strava because Strava tracks like certain sections and just recently I took two fucking titles off two lads and I, and I post all over social saying, yeah, cheers Gary, fucking better luck next time fella. <laughs> <laughs> segments, you're about segments. Yeah, the segments. And I, hope, and I hope Gary's out there now training. I hope he's got a picture of me in his room with a dartboard and he's throwing darts at my face because I'm throwing him at his face and I'm sure when he gets the segment back... <laughs> I'll be like, fucking oh, Gary's dusted me there. Right, back at it. That's good. But I wouldn't say to anybody, um, come on, let's let's go for it without knowing their ability. Um, but as well, I do this thing, uh, maybe, maybe you've heard of it, but we used to have this PTI in my regiment, right? And he used to always go, right, Judge, fucking 10 minute microwave. And it was never 10 minutes, but you just get fucking disastered for 10 minutes. So you like go from stand and start cold, and then you're like, I'll come back, jacket around your eyeballs and all that, and you're hanging out. So I've created my own version of it. So we'll come to like a decent in incline or a bank, and I'll get them all together and I'll say, right, gents, fucking microwave. It's best effort, 10 minutes. If I don't see you putting it in, we come back down and we fucking go again. Hands up if you don't think I'm serious. It's repetitions, right? Yeah, and all we do is I get them in line and I just say, right, first, first man or woman, your fucking mission here is not to get caught. Second, second man or woman, catch a fucking person in front. If you don't catch him, you're fucking coming back down. And I just make it a competition. And I do it over and over and I say, and I'm going at the back and I'll tell you now, I'm fucking catching every one of you. 
Every one of you is getting caught. Now, do I catch everyone? No, because people get fucking two, three hundred metres head start. But they're like, fucking hell, John's coming. So it makes everybody graft. I'm grafting because I'm going to try and catch as many as I can. And then we get to the top and everyone, and I'm like, how'd everyone find that? And there's people like, oh, yeah. But normal hiking companies, mate, they don't do that. And there'll be people out, I've been out with people like, what are you doing? I'm like, we're just going to beast ourselves on this hill. Why? Why not? Yeah, but won't you be like, yeah, well, no one will fucking die, mate. Like, we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna test ourselves a bit. It's cool, you know. We all fancy a fucking chocolate eclair at the end, so we're gonna put a bit more graft in to fucking have it. And they love it. Like, I now get people sending me Insta videos saying, "Doing fucking relays, coming for Beamson's title." I fucking love it, mate. I'm love it. It gets me up. It fucking gets me. I'm like, ah, yes, someone's coming for it. I fucking love it because it makes me go. Where's that alarm at? Get up 15 minutes earlier tomorrow. Do, do my reply video. Fucking have that. Who did you serve with? Royal Artillery. I went to Germany. Fucking loved it. AS90. All I ever wanted to do, mate, was drive a tank, right? AS90 is the tank with the big, big, with the big, big fucking barrel gun. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joking, sorry. No, so like, I wanted to join the tanks, right? But... I was a bit, I was a bit mince, so I fucking, I dropped in under, under the barrier for the Royal Tank Regiment, uh, but I went Royal Artillery, but I'm glad I did because I had a fucking great time in the Royal Artillery. It's a great, it's a fucking great bunch, and um, they're like, you can do it, it's 90, and I was like, what's that? And they showed me, and I was like, fuck yeah, now look at that, it's like a tank on juice. Do you know what I mean? It was, it's fucking mega, and went through basic, went through phase two, and they're like, who wants to go to Germany? Yep, and off I went, um, straight to a field, field. Field regiment, fucking loved it, man. Shoot the blue all the way. That's all I ever wanted to be. Fucking. What what time? What when was this? Uh, two thousand and one. I got posted to Germany two thousand and one. So I actually got in. I got in a Northern Ireland tour, which was fucking awesome. I went to London, Derry. That's why when you've had people on from that time period, I've really enjoyed listening because obviously, well, it was a tour like all of that, Chaz. I'm part of that history, do you know what I mean? Even though my tour was just a, a, a much, but I felt at the time, I was like, fucking hell, I'm patrolling around Londonderry with, you know, rounds in the magazine. Like, fucking hell, this is it. I'm, I'm, doing the, I'm doing what it says on the tin. You know, driving around in snatches and all of that stuff, doing, doing a bit of public order, getting filled in by the Green Howards. It was, <laughs> it was class. And it was, a great, it was a great experience being in Germany because no one went home. No one went home. We were all a family. Every battery had its own individual identity. Um, There's fucking so many characters, like just bonkers amount of people. They were just had, you know, bigger than Ben Air, like some of them. Every every single person, every battery had like duty funny bloke, duty serious bloke, like, and it was just a great laugh. And Northern Ireland, Kenya, Canada, um, up fresco. Did you do up fresco? Fucking right, I did. Fucking, yeah. we yeah. was in what a run, <laughs> driving around Newcastle and the goddesses. Look at it, mental, wasn't it? Our fresco, we got, we got sent to Otterburn, <laughs> cheers, and then we got... Tell people what, what our fresco was, who don't. Oh, our fresco was the fireman strikes 2003? Two. 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 End of 2002, before the Iraq war. Yeah, and it was just like, right guys, the firemen are going straight. Um, we're now not soldiers, we're going to go and be firemen. Um, we're going to get trained. Uh, we're getting posted to places around Newcastle. Uh, you'll be working out with TA centres or relevant. 
And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to go give that a crack. With what equipment? <laughs> the Green Goddess. Green Goddess. Green Goddess, what was it, 30, 27 mile an hour or something? It was like... 27 mile an hour. <laughs> so he, like, he was... Re- so um, yeah, for people listening and watching, he was like... Oh, British Army got deployed, as, as John yeah. says, to, uh, <laughs> to a backfill with firemen who were... St- or the fi- firemen, the fire service who were striking. But we couldn't use like much of their equipment, if any. No. Um, so... The so HM forces broke out these things called the Green Goddesses, which were fire engines from 50s, 60s, 50s, old, um, like green things, super old, super slow. We're talking like 40 mile an hour slow, like they just, yeah. And they had their firefighting equipment was, was, and without without exaggeration, was a glorified water hose. 100%. It was like a water hose, right? Yeah. Like you get in your back garden, <laughs> a little bit thicker, with a big brass thing on yeah. the end with a big lever. Fuck me. I remember in when that, when that was going on, Three Power had a Three Power's accommodation store in Hyderabad Barracks and Colchester said, caught fire, mate. And we had, right, we're talking some mattresses right. in a port cabin, mate. Four green goddesses around this thing. Four, so four fire engines around us. Yeah. Could they put it out? Could they put it out? No. Could they fuck? Green goddesses, mate. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was mental. But that was mental. We, as a as a BFB as a like a Germany based unit, we got to come back to Newcastle. Now Fourth Ridge Royal Artillery was in, in the northeast Gunners, so we were all back in our own. You know, Newcastle, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, Darlington. So we were all basically it was a tour of home. So everyone was like, "Yay!" And when it came to the end, everyone was like, "Ooh!" And then, and then, we, and then we got, and then we went from there, and we did, uh, yeah, we went to Northern Ireland, and we did, got put into uh, into Londonderry, and we just did, you know, patrols um, on standby for public order. And we sort of closed out that barracks, but you know, there was guys who I served with who were who had done like, I'd probably say more tastier tours, like you know, early '90s, late '80s sort of thing, and. They were all like, oh, this is shit, I want to go to Iraq. Careful what you wish for, eh? Because uh, things have got a habit of coming around. Mm. And then from there, I got sort of dragged into uh, going to 2-9, um, 2-9 Commando. I wanted a few more LSA days. Um, trying to go, trying to do a specialist course when your heart's on in it, even though you're physically fit, you fucking quickly get found out. Like, I got a lot from it, but... I never was never really into it. Like I didn't want it bad enough. And if you don't want it bad enough, once it really gets rotten, and it will, you'll be like, uh, any chance of getting back on that plane? <laughs> but again, the mindset comes from some of the people down there who I met. I learnt loads from them. They were great soldiers. You know, working with the sort of army commando guys and learning from you know the way they did things. Like added to like my mentality and the people that I used to come across and there's a guy there called Gazes who used to run the all arms commando course for two nine and his mindset was fucking just big cigar bring on the next test. Like it doesn't matter what it is. Like and I've like incorporated that and like to a point where like I, at one point I fucking idolised the guy because I just thought he was that like untouchable. I was like, nothing phases the guy. He fucking run through walls. And like I've adopted his mindset and then from there, it didn't work out. Like I said, I wasn't... Once it got sticky-sticky, I was like, any chance of uh, going Catrick? <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up in Five Ridge, Royal Artillery, which, again, was a great regiment, but being based in the UK, everyone fucking bugs out all the time. Naffy Break, people are going home. Naffy Break, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's not the same, there's not the same camaraderie, but I ended up going to Iraq. Um, 
for half a tour back as your replacement. Fucking hell, Iraq was an interesting place, wasn't it? What tour was that? Um, 2000, let's get this right, 2006, seven. Um, IDF was a fucking thing. Like, IDF, like, fucking hell, like building your own coffee around, around your bed and, and eating your scoff on the fucking floor all the time because you knew, oh, well, they know we have scoff at six, so guess what's going to be happening in about fucking two minutes? Ooh, fucking hell. And like, I'd never experienced anything like that before. Quite lucky at that point. But like IDF was fucking no joke, was it? Like IDF's fucking serious because it's just like landing them around. And I feel like the military, like I use humour now to get over adversity. And like that's where it's come from. That dark, like someone like trying to crack jokes, you know what I mean? Oh, what time's the IDF starting? As you're taking a volley of fucking 40 rockets. It's to avoid, it's to avoid, um, I think it's to avoid the elephant in the room. Yeah. Is what it is. It's like people are aware of it. People. IDF as an example, yeah. or um, a death as mm. an example, someone's just been killed, uh, it's to avoid the elephant in the room, um, it's there, you're conscious of it, there's awkward, not awkwardness, mm. but there's maybe concern, maybe awkwardness, maybe like fear maybe, and it's to offset that, mm. is what it is, definitely. But it was the beat up course for what was coming, um, Herrick 8 was fucking serious to her. Um, oh. Oh, 2008. Yeah. Eric eight in 2008, wasn't yeah. it? I was on that as well. Yeah. Where were you? Uh, so we we deployed not as a battery strength, but as a section sort of strength, section plus. And we had a piece of equipment which we were being given, um, which detects mortar fire. So counter. What was that called? Remind me, I know you're on yeah, about. Yeah, lightweight counter mortar radar. Yeah. And little things you used to sit, you used to stick it on the on the wall of the compound. Yeah, yeah. We had three little three it, arms. It was like a door. It was like a dorm, and it That's sat right. into a cover. And we we landed in theatre, and we did like RSOI. It would detect it going up, wouldn't it? And then calculate the trajectory yeah. and let you know it's going to uh, land. Yeah, in. and yeah. give you. So basically, we got the tour. We did our handover with a battery ripping out. Uh, me and a lad called Mike Jones, legend. Um, we ended up on a fucking heli, and we end up on the Mogwa 3 para for Hutal. Hutal was the place in, was it Zabul province? And we ended up on like, a, we ended up occupying a compound for a long period of time. And then we did like this massive road move back to Bastion. Um, but we was in a compound and like when we got there, fucking hell, these two fucking lunatics, like, <laughs> helicopter landed, <laughs> fucking these two. And even though it was lightweight, it had about 40 boxes, mate. They needed like a section plus to move it. And like everyone was like, oh, these two fucking lunatics. Like no one did even like, you know, as a classic British military planning. And I just turned up. All right, guys, help you. Uh, yeah, we've got the mortar radar. Like that. Fucking hell, right? Um, sound. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Uh, you on stag in ten minutes? Yeah, yeah. I fucking figured that much. Uh, but once we sort of explained it, um, obviously it's a great fucking asset, isn't it? If you can quickly locate where you. Mortar fire, rocket fire is coming from. That's an asset in it, and especially like from the rivals, from the counter fires guys, like the mortars and, and all that sort of guys. Like, well, we can just give you the grid of where it's come from. And they're like, oh, okay, now best mate, you want a boilie? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and because like we were just a normal artillery unit, so there's no, there was no animosity. Do you know what I mean? We, we, there was no animosity. We just fucking sort of in, integrated with the hive. <laughs> do you know what I mean? There was no like. Fucking hell, who are these guys? No, just too fucking normal. 
normal green green army blocks. All right, so like so that was good because you know turning up to like as opposed to what just on that as opposed to what like, what would be different? Why would it be different? Because like they would say our artillery cat badges and people were, like fucking the seven power these lads and I, I had to like seven hour chair sorry yeah, that's what's happened to you. This is what, and I see what you're saying. Do you know what I mean? Because people would think, uh, like, I know there's like. Was the 7 RHA cap badge different to the RA cap? No, but they would just say our flashes. DZ, yeah. So they wouldn't see, because we didn't have berries, did we? So they, did, they just saw the DZ and was like, obviously, maybe all they knew was, oh, fucking. And I knew there was a bit of animosity, um, friendly banter, whatever you want to call it. I knew that, you know, paratroopers and parachuters was a thing, right? So I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, no, I'm just a normal field artillery unit. Oh, yeah. Oh, Biscuit Brown's in there, mate. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the reality is, on the gr I mean, I, I understand that, what you're saying. Absolutely. But also the reality is that when, as you experience there, completely get embedded into it. Yeah. When, when you're on the ground, when you're on ops, it's a different kettle of yeah. fish. Uh, you are an asset to us. Mm. When I say you, as, I say like you as an attached arm. Yeah, yeah. Or an asset to us. Me, As three battalion, para, yeah, yeah. or whatever unit, yeah. you know, and that's how we treated it. But yeah. but that, but but that often gets lost in the stories. Well, listen, people have a mis have a misconception so, of how we are. I think that's that's definitely right. But but then back in the UK, it's different. Then like I I heard the dits like leaving Bastion like oh you're off to work with free power and then like there's duty bloke who work with free power whenever and he's like oh fucking hell mate you got filled in when you get off the alley and like you get all these like bullshit stories. But you've already got, you, you're already on hyper attention because you're like fuck me I'm in Afghan and da, 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 and now I'm off to go and work with like whoever it is whatever battalion it is because it's not your it's not your norm so already you're thinking fucking hell are they gonna you know all you want to do is your job and do properly and be safe and make sure you don't fuck up and then like someone had said to us yeah just make sure that you tell them that you're not you know that you're just a normal field artillery and won't be a fucking drama. <laughs> fucking and, irrelevant. I know. It's but, but it's like <laughs> as like a young lad deploying as a lance jack. Mate, I was on I was on three power fucking orders. Is a lance jack? And they're like, any any points, fella? And I've got a pencil. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it was a bit fucking intimidating as a young lance jack. Yeah. Um, uh, no, no, it's no points, no. And and then we went there. We did that. Back to Bastion, and then we went to Kajaki, mate. And like, um, that was, I think, I think it was, was two turbine, para, turbine move, yeah. Two, two, we went there with two para in situ when we went there, and again, like, we turned up, and it was just like a, I could almost see the difference in the battalions actually. I'd heard about the difference, but the I definitely felt the difference. Um, and the funny story was when we were setting up, we were setting up the, the LCMR on top of like. Obviously, I don't know what company it was, but like one guy, one young Tom had come out and he'd gone, What's that, mate? Aircon. I was like, Yeah, mate, army aircon unit. See ya. Square, <laughs> square away. Yeah. Army aircon. And he's like, Oh, nice one. I'll tell the blokes. Yeah, they are different. They are very different. And I, I, I didn't even realize that um, myself until I, I spent some time with uh, One Power throughout, throughout, you know, my sort of midway through my career, if you want to call it a career. And they were. We were just different. They were different as we were different to them. I'd not spent much time with two para, and then towards the tail end of my career, I spent time with two para. And again, they were as different to mm. as this one para, which was it's all. It's but that's not like para red centric. Mm. I think that's the same with pretty much any uh, unit, and, yeah. any unit. Yeah. It's, uh, but people don't realise it. 
Such a difference. In, uh, the main was just cultural difference. Yeah. Little things like the way you address people, what you have to call different ranks, the yeah. way you have to act around them. Again, mostly around the that sort of hierarchy, the way you ma- how you how you what's acceptable, how is acceptable to act, or what words is okay to say. Um, I, I mean, as well, I, I got to sort of I work with some really like because we were always attached arms. I got to work with a lot of different units. So like some some units, I always found the Scotch regiments were fucking rigid. Like rigid, like even on like even on ops, we we went to a apart play- from CDTs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just oh yeah, but like we did um, God, um, what was the name of that fucking shit checkpoint? Some shit checkpoint overlooking a bridge, um, down near Fob Dwyer. It'll come to me, but there was a high, one of the Highland regiments were in there, and like. Literally, we got a visit from from you know a duty fucking colonel coming down to see everyone's morale's getting on, and mate, we were, we were scruffy like you know we had two liters of water a day, and then I got because where I, were you? So it was down near um, Afghan. Afghan. So it was two liters of water a day. That like that's what in this we had a checkpoint, and that's what we fucking had mate. to to, rec, to to ration on. And were you going out on... No, no, we were... Just in? Just still, in. Two litres a day no, it was fucking, fucking It was fucking savage, mate. Jesus Christ. It was, it was fucking savage. And... Why it, was there such a low amount of water? We were in, like, a fairly remote checkpoint. Um, there was only four of us. And, you know, we, we had to fucking say to people, um, and we're not washing clothes. That's not a fucking thing. Um, it's, it's drinking water. It's rationed. Um, we had, like, bottled water, and then... We just had to put fucking requests in all the time. And if people were passing, as they were coming past, they'd drop it off for us. But you know what it's like, mate. Sometimes it was a bit fuck. There was four of us, mate. I was like, there was four of us in this tower. And there was like Afghan police on the front gate. And I was like, fucking hell, this is absolutely sketch city, this. And that, I mean, I remember when I got the sort of like, Oh yeah, you you know when you rip in and rip out of places as like a, an attached arm, you're going in to replace someone who's going an R and R. And when I got there and I got the brief, I was like, how many of us are here? He's like, oh, there's four of us. So when I leave, you'll be the fourth man. And I was like, what to man a checkpoint for fucking 24 hours? Yeah. It's like, oh, this will be fucking interesting. And it was it was an ad, but everyone was having an ad too, mate. There was no like there was no duty blocks just fucking playing dominoes anywhere. Like everyone was grafting, um, but. I was glad to leave there, mate. We had guys doing that. Listen to this. We had guys doing that in, in on Herrick 13. I think Graham Groves listened to this. Well, a guy he used to serve in. He's still serving, actually. And um, he was, he, it was his, I'm sure it was his platoon. And they were split between three three checkpoints, but permanently, permanently, fours and fives, mate. Like, what the fuck? Mm. That's just grim. I think it's just, it's it's a it's a weird situation to be in those small. I've done it at times. I never did it that small for any period of time in Afghan. Like that's mm. that repetition of you're basically on stag or on rest, right? Constantly, for a long, long, long time. I did actually do it in Afghan with four of us in on the first tour in 2006, and we had a little sniper sanger. And for I think we only did it. I think it was two weeks, maybe 12 days, right? Mm. And it's vividly stuck in my memory. There was no, on that 12 days, right? It was early on the tour, there was no contact. No, no contact happened while we were there, but it still vividly sticks in my memory. Because there was, was five of us, that's right. And five of us 
we're having to man the Sanger 20 hours a day for 12 days. And people think, oh, that's Bakshi. It fucking isn't Bakshi. No, it, it fucking isn't. isn't Bakshi. You have one person in there every, uh, like, um, for what, an hour or two hours in the day. Mm-hmm. But at nighttime, you have to double, double up. So you are constantly in, you have to be in a constant state of alert in the Sanger. You have to be in a constant, and then when you come off, you have to try and get your head down. And when you get your head down, you may get, in the daytime, you may get three hours, right? Because you've got to factor in, you've got to scoff, you've got to hydrate and get your head down. In the nighttime, you're getting one or two hours because you're doubling up. You do that for 12 days. It's like the combination of that that complete mess about of your bodily system, whatever mm. you call that that system of your... Um, Cadence. Uh, what is it? Is it called the um, Acadian rhythm? The Acadian rhythm, that. Yeah. Then you factor in, you've got... There's nothing else going on. It's a complete mind fuck. Mm. You're not seeing anyone. You're not speaking to anyone apart from a couple of minutes on the handover, you know. And then you've got a, maybe a, a ten minutes or so in in the room where you're dosing, mm. but you want to get your head down then. Um, but, and then all the other stuff that gets added on, all the admin, the stuff the sergeant major wants you to do, all the other because there's everyone else in, in that in that in the base. Absolute mind fuck. It's incredibly hard just to, just to stag on. I think people don't realise that just stagging on is. A nightmare. And and the stagging on, and then the stagging on properly. Well. Which I, is another I, thing. I, I was assuming you'd be <laughs> yeah. stagging on properly, but no, yeah, but yeah, yeah, right. Like, yeah, yeah. there's stagging on and doing what you're supposed to do and be fucking in the zone and being that guy. You've almost got to be like the nosy neighbor, like twitching the fucking curtains. Like, because the moment you don't do that, the moment you're not that into it, and I'm not talking about sleeping on stag, I'm just talking about maybe you're thinking how shit this is or maybe you're thinking about like, Oh, when I go on an R and I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. That's when it fucking goes wrong. And like we were overwatching and like there was no one there that wasn't hundred percent like guys, what we're doing here is we're having eyes on this fucking vulnerable point. And if we fuck this up, they're putting a, a fucking ID in that fucking vulnerable point and it's fucking on us because we should have constant fucking eyes on that every fucking second of the day. And like that pressure as well, like there's fucking real pressure there. Um, and then you you know, you get like duty visit come down and they're like, uh, Bombardier, uh, fucking air cutter. <laughs> Where at? What? <laughs> yeah, well, there's no bloke got any shears. Shears? Have you, have you seen this place? Like, we've got, we, we don't even have real have security because we've got the AMP on the front gate and at any one moment, the uh, you know the dusk could get spun around and we're <laughs> and we're getting taken incoming because you had that to think about like are they truly is everyone kosher you didn't know like and there was a few times where we were like fucking hell this is proper dodgy but people didn't Afghan like I always say that robust tours was born in Afghan because that was the most fucking robust place I'd ever been to and talk about like pressure that place was pressure what did you what was your most difficult experience out there that you can remember oh not out there because Iraq was fucking in fact all the places were fucking nice yeah. it's just about the perception and, and, and the times you were there right because Iraq was fucking crazy town at one point yeah yeah. Well, several points but we just didn't happen to be there and Afghan happened to be going on at the same time and overshadowed it yeah you know, I mean, you sort of, but go on So I, th- I think I think like <laughs> I tell you what snapped me once right when I, when I come back from that off with 3 power for some reason we just didn't get any mail for fucking like 12 weeks right and we'll go back to our own little fucking battery lines and, you know, military humour. Um, Sam Edge at the time went, oh, uh, Beamson. And I was like, ah, fucking nice one. Uh, give that to Jones. And that just, <laughs> mate, I just fucking, I fucking threw the table. Lost it. Fucking snapped. 
kicked the fucking door off the hinges, called him a cunt. Had he been in camp for a while? He, he, like, fucking exactly. <laughs> and he wasn't, exactly. like, he was a good bloke, to be fair to him, he was a good bloke, but that just, I don't know why, it just fucking, it just assaulted me, and I was like, and literally, he came after me, he was like, whoa, whoa, fucking calm down, your, your male's here. And he was like, everything all right? I was like, I'm off to see the Padre, if he's not in, I'm going to fucking smash the place up. But, like, um, I came back off Hurricane, classic British Army. Uh, you're going on your fucking night log level three, dust bags and bin bags. All right. End of tour early. Renf. All right, cheers. Uh, back to back, back, back to the Catrick. Um, I've gone from this, you know, pressure, pressure cooker, and now I'm sat in my mum's house all the time in the world, all the money, in, like, you know, you've saved a bit of dosh. What you got to do? Go for a run in the morning. You like that, aren't you? Like a fucking pressure cooker. And, like, I had... Mate, I was always looking for a scrap. And, like, it was not even a case of, like, I'm going to scrap and win. I was afraid not to scrap because I'd built this, like, let's fucking have a scrap. Got filled in all the time. It's not good. Do you know what I mean? You, There was just, yeah, end of tour, see you later. Like, I didn't get any fucking, like, package where it was, like, um, just... just is that the best course of action? Yeah, his high log starts Monday. Yeah, but <laughs> can can we not like how many people came back not prepped to come back? We're gonna go to Cyprus, play some beach volleyball, uh comedians coming on, have ten cans, uh, everyone's everyone's green light, apart from the CEO, uh, and then we're on the coaches back to the prize. And I'll, like that's you can't really prep for it. Yeah, I remember it's... when we came back with that first one, hey, it wasn't even like it wasn't even entertainment. We got it. Uh, because it was just an un, it was just an unknown. It, it introduced this, mm. this 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 form of this decompression. They called it for forty hours decompression, right? And for people not aware of that or any of it, you know, um, and it more a change over time. Like you were talking there about you know you had some form of entertainment. When, when we got there, it must have been one of the early ones. It was obviously one of the early ones in '06, and yeah, yeah. we were the third or fourth group through. I was last out of three power and that because of the fucking Musakala shit. And we got taken into the camp. I can't remember what camp it was. Um, like rows of tables and chairs outside, like like barbecue style. There was a barbecue. Yeah. There was someone serving beers. You couldn't leave it. You couldn't leave the camp. It was literally let these guys get hammered. It descended into carnage. And when I say carnage, it was like a fucking almighty scrap. Mm. There was maybe 12 Power Edge lads, and we'd come back with the Royal Irish. Everyone that was like 60 or 70 Royal Irish. Um, it went nuclear. It went fucking nuclear. Uh, I remember someone cracking me around the head with a ladle, split my eye right open, fucking <laughs> ladle. Night, it was just shit getting launched everywhere. And all the, the staff did, they just stood back and just let it happen. Like, this is a decompression. They're getting mm. out of the system. No, 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 no. I refer to that time as recompression. Yeah. It's like, you, you're just magnifying things. It's supposed to be a reintegration back into Civ Pop life. Yeah. Do not stick us all in together with all this alcohol just to just to compound whatever frustration or whatever, it's not the way to, it's not mm. the way to prep us because the reality, as you were saying there, 24 hours later, we're stepping off on the plane to Bryce mm. and most of us are going straight on leave. It's mental, mm. mental. We had a, the next morning, we had a time at the time on the beach in the morning. We were all fucked. Mm. We were all fucking, fucking minging fucked. Yeah. Madness, madness. Um, but oh, I mean, on that, you can't prep for it, John. It has to be a. Mm. I don't know how they do it now. I hope this right. Now it needs to be a. Oh, now I would think it would be or something along the lines of. 
you come back and it's a staged reintegration into civil life. I remember there was one of the companies came back. No, I turned it. It wasn't three power. It was Royal Irish, and three power. We we came back when I leave, and the Royal Irish, as I recall, they their first thing back in the UK. They stayed in camp. They weren't allowed to come on leave, and they went. I think they had five days, hill walking, with their OC with, with within the company, and that was a a good move. A good in hindsight, we're like, what the fuck? They can't even go on leave. But in hindsight, is that mm. okay? Gently back. This is normal life now. You're back in. The, I think that was a good move. And and if you're in that if you're in that environment and your CEO or OC comes on and says, "Hey guys, this is the deal. Uh, no one's going home. Everyone's like, fucking signing off. Fucking shit yeah. this." But like short term, you're fuming. But like for like long term, well, you don't know the positive benefits of it unless mm. you can compare it to the negative benefits, and you can't, that's not possible, right? You can only like from me talking about. Mate, that was probably the hardest thing. Probably that the that 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 year in between. That you, yeah, that just after that, that first tour, yeah, mate. I was just a different. I was just. I was. I was. I, was a, I became a truly completely different person. Yeah. I, I was. I was a different person before that tour and after. And it's not all because of the tour. No, no. It's partly because of the the complete culture shock. Mm. I had gone as many of us do on those kind of operations. I had gone straight in. It just changes your mindset, changes your outlook on everything and everything you thought you understood about the way the world is and what your values are and what, what matters in life completely changes. It completely changes all to be focused on what keeps you alive in Afghan. And you're completely zoned in on that for however long you're there for, four, five, six, seven months, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're there for two months on the front line and then the rest not. It doesn't matter. When, once, you, once your perception of it changes like that, when you come back to the world, the world isn't the mm. same place as when you left it. It's completely different it's and right. you have to learn all again. All again. But everyone else thinks you're the same. Mm. And you're not. And you're not. I, you, and then, like, I, I did my, like, my leave... And I went to Belize. I got posted to Belize, and like the greatest post ever, Adminencio on St George's Key. Like, it, I was just like, it's January the third. I'm now, I'm now signing for powerboats. Like, this is nuts. Dust bags and I'm dust bags and bin bags, and I'm cutting around in um, blue shorts, uh, red t-shirt, and army issue trainers, and that's my and oh yeah, and a baseball cap and a set of issue like sunglasses. And I was just like, this is unbelievable. But I had a very, very like big chip on my shoulder and it come to a head a few times because like we would get other units and I think like Herrick 8, not that many units had gone through the Herricks yet. Like they were coming, but they hadn't gone through them yet. I think what, six was the first? Was six or five the first? Herrick 4 was the first. Herrick 4. Yeah. Right, okay. So like not that many units had gone through. And I remember... Being a quite like a landshark, being quite chopsy, and um, <laughs> like we had an expert come to go and dive the blue hole in Belize, which I was like, and I couldn't believe it. And they they came from like um, an RAF like an RAF unit, and my job was to make sure there was enough like dust bags and bin bags and twenty four rations for this expert, which I'd done, and I remember like a a, a flight sergeant saying. Uh, yeah, that's not acceptable. We're going to take fresh. And I was like, it's acceptable in Afghan. And he was like, we're not in Afghan. And I said, do you want me to draw your fucking picture? Like, <laughs> because I was still there, Hugh. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was still like, he's like, uh, listen to the corporal. And I was like, I'm not a corporal, I'm a bombardier. 
caught was a fucking punishment. Because I was like just looking for it, do you know what I mean? Like, go on, one more thing, and we're rolling around on the floor. Because I was like, this bloke's in fucking Afghan, digging out blind on rations. And you can't go and fucking dive a blue hole because there's fucking can't be fash. It's like, you're a fucking shitbag. And like, my, my, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I was, I, and I was like, I don't understand his problem. He's got fucking Red Fanta. Who the fuck has Red Fanta? <laughs> but, like, looking back on it, he just, it's different experiences, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, he's come here, he thinks he's getting all this fresh food, and they're going to have a barbecue and beers. And I've gone, yeah, fucking Roger, uh, 24 hour rations. Like, the big ones, do you know what I mean? No, not good enough. Not ten, good enough. Ten man rap. Ten man rap packs, not good enough, Corporal. Stand by, fucking auto layers coming on your chin in a minute if we can get this going. And like, Belize was great for me because actually that was my like decompression because I was that far away from the Green Army. Belize was like weird. Did you ever go like anything jungle train or anything? Yeah, the jungle. Yeah, Uganda. Yeah. <laughs> it was like Belize itself was just like, is this even the army? Am I even? Is this even a thing anymore? Like by the time I come back, Belize. Yeah, no, Uganda was different. We were straight. Yeah, in like not, uh, St. George's yeah. key, mate. Because Belize has got a lot of downtime, right? Yeah, like yeah. Belize, what my job was, I lived on St. George's Key, which was a tiny key, a few miles off the coast of Belize itself. And, like, I, I, I answered to really nobody. Like, as long as, like, what I had to do got done, no one bothered me. And it was just, like, six months of, like, living the dream, back to the unit. And at that time, I'd only ever done a tour, and then it was like, yeah, that tour is finished now, and you won't be going again. And then when I got back, uh, fancy another crack at Herrick? Mm, not really. Well, it's a fucking great story, Bombardier uh, Bloomson, but uh, guess where you'll be in the summer? And that, that, that was it for me, mate. Signed off. That was it. Like, I went there, did that tour. And that time, like, I think things had got as inevitably. The army had gone there and like, you know, sidebarns, twisters, uh, cuts. Like it had gone really like regimented. And when I got to Bastion, I didn't recognise the place. And then even out in even out in like I was lucky I got posted with the Danes for the first three months and that was a good, you know, um Budwan, used to be called Armadillo. Um it was it was kinetic, like the Danes were fucking having it, but we were we were doing base protection with the LCMRs and stuff, so we didn't say any of that, but like uh, used to get like emails come through. Uh, can you just make sure your your address is up to up to play? And I was like, is this the is this the big issues that we're dealing with right now? Like I get it, and it, it came from that thing, didn't it? Of seeing, a, isn't it something to do with someone made a comment about you look like soldiers in Vietnam, like a defeated army looking scruffy and tacky? Is that like is it like some sort of? I heard like that's I don't know where I've it came from, rigid. but the, I don't know where it came from. Um, but I mean, the the this. To, in my mind, those things is, is two reasons why you start clamping down on stuff like uh, fucking cyborgs <laughs> and the way you look and all that when when you're on operation. And it's either because there's a discipline issue, and so that is part of the way you can pull people back on track. Now, from my experience, because I experienced the same as you, even you know, within three power on that, especially on the th well, it was on the third the third time at Herrick thirteen, that started happening there. But it wasn't a discipline issue. It's more it's more to do with when that stuff happens for no apparent reason, it's more to do with some fucking personality coming in, mm. deciding to make their mark, or X, Y, or Z, some yes man, as opposed to, you know, the people soldier kind of thing. Oh, that's, on, that's on that side. What was the other thing you mentioned? Uh, that you had the sideburns and all that, and then there was something else you mentioned. Uh, a comment was made about a defeated army, wasn't it? Like us looking scruffy, and was, a reference yeah. to, like, Vietnam soldiers, and that's why, that's, yeah, so that's the, the I heard. That's, that, like, the, that's the one reason there's discipline, and then the second reason is, 
Oh, what was the second reason? I can't remember why you would do that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, public perception. Public perception. PR. Yeah, it's what you're looking like on the front on the on the papers. Are the are the media are the media now looking at taking a photo of some dude who's just come off a fucking yeah. six hour patrol? He's got a beard and he does look scruffy, but scruffiness isn't an indication of professionalism, like uncleanliness, or professionalism. Yeah, it can be a lot of the time. Other times it's not. But if the media then look at picking up on that and using it as a, a media tool to, to make it, like, oh, troops are tired and all that, which is probably thinking about it, the more mm. likely scenario in this is come from the top, make sure you look on fucking point all the time so we're not looking ragged. It's probably mm. that. It is actually thinking about it, probably that. So, yeah. do you know, Hugh, I got asked a question not so long ago about what did I think of the Taliban? And I said, I respect the fuck out of them. They're the hardest people I've ever fought. I was like, we had the kit and they had flip-flops and an AK and they were just so robust, and they were just, like, I, personally, man, I, I, I respect them. They like, were an advantage the whole time, no. Yeah, yeah well, it's I, home, home mm. field advantage, but, like, I just, they were just relentless. Like, I don't know what basic training they went through, but, like, they, they really were, like, a relentless force. I just thought, like, this is their, this is their thing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, how, how are they these, how are they this robust? Like, every single unit, yeah, we probably won the engagements, but long term, they just ground. They just seem to grind the Afghan. They grind like but, the effort down, didn't but they? But that's the advantage of an insurgency and the mm. disadvantage of being the, of, of operating counterinsurgency mm. is that they 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 know all of the resources at their disposal. They know the land. They know the language. They know the culture. Mm. They they don't have to have extensive logistical supply chains. Mm. They don't. They, yeah. I always go back to. Um, you know, as the as the campaign in terms of like you talk about t uh, the way they could manoeuvre uh, and the kind of tactics they were able to employ, we completely and we do it every fucking every fucking campaign. We completely stifle ourselves. We completely inhibit ourselves in our ability to manoeuvre because of the kit and equipment we laid ourselves down with, largely due to public perception, largely due to the PR. Again, mm, yeah, yeah. The, obey, the way we were able to operate in the two thousand six tour. Fuck, man. I would do that now. I would have done that in Eric 13. We we were in the lights, combat body armor, you know, basically like a, in inverted commas, flak jacket in, for, for Civ Pop listening. Yeah. A little plate over your chest in front, like hardly any yeah, way. Yeah. We were belt kit, right? We were going and operate. It got to one point in the, in the tour, and the CO, Tootle, said, It's at the commander's discretion whether you even wear body armor or not. So we would go in, we would get off the helis, we jump off, we take our body armor off. Mm. And we put it in a pile, and then we go in, and we would just be clean fatigue, John. Quick, quick day and sack. Light. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Quick and light, because the reality is you're fighting people in fucking flip flops yeah. and AK-47 and some magazines. They can move like lightning, mm. lightning, and we were able to move not like lightning, but pretty quick, right? And as the tour went on, and, and the casualty went up, and the, and the PR and the Taliban changed the tactics more mm. to because they were getting fucking thrashed yeah. and small arms engagements. They changed the tactics to more to IEDs and that kind of that kind of warfare, right? Indirect, you know, mm -hmm. action, and the PR and the public uh, the the uh, public uh, support started to wane. Then the focus came on minimize minimize casualties, 
right? No, minimize deaths. Mm. Yeah, minimize serious casualties. What happens then? Fuck loads of body armor. ECM fuck blue. loads of kit. Well, EC, yeah. yeah. Well, ECM, we have that yeah. kind of ID, but fuck loads of shit, and you become less maneuverable. And one calculation is extremely difficult. You will never be able to work out is how many lives were lost because we had the extra weight. Mm. How many lives were lost because we couldn't maneuver as fast, and the Taliban were able to outmove maneuver units because they mm. could move faster because you got thirty fucking blokes wearing sixty pounds of body armor. Or whatever it is, 30 pounds yeah, yeah. of body armor plus everything else. You can't calculate that, but it's an absolute fact. Mm. Lives were lost because we were slower. We didn't, we were no longer like a fucking lizard cutting about trying to capture the, you know, the fucking snake. I don't even know that's the yeah. analogy. We <laughs> yeah. became a tortoise. Yeah. We became a tortoise, shit loads of armor, but not very good at, um, at outmaneuvering the enemy. And, and, the, and, the most and you become, pre and then, sorry, and then yeah. you become a reactive force as opposed to a, a proactive force. And, and there must be, um, if you go back in history, that'll, that'll have played out time and time again. Like Iraq? Fucking up in yeah, Iraq? Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 like, if you go back to sort of like, the, like I mean, like the Greeks, the Romans, heavy cavalry, like all of this stuff where, we, where people start putting on more, but then they're losing these big engagements. They're losing overall. And, it, and you're right, like, we become so immobile, didn't we? Do you know what I mean? Like, like the Mastiff, great bit of kit for protecting you, but as an as a actual fighting vehicle, it was slow, it was massive, and it was just a big bullet magnet, wasn't it? And, you know, what was that designed to do? It was designed to protect troops from bad PR because of our vehicles aren't very good because the people are dying in back of snatches and wimmicks and stuff, and then all the Under Armour stuff comes on, and you're right, you just, you're slow, you're slow, you, and then before you know it, you're hardly really moving, are you? And then you can't, if you can't take ground, you can't win a war, can you? And if you can't, you know, you're just a complete stalemate, and I think if you get to that point, that's where it's like, advantage home team in it and eventually your government your pr will eventually grind out and they'll be like why are we still here oh yeah well, let's, let's let's bring it but um yeah that was a afghan was a was a was a fucking hell i'll never forget afghan i'm sure anyone who ever went there and did stuff will be the same as well and um i look back at it with fond memories uh good and bad but as an experience it's definitely forged me to to, to where I am now, like I draw back on it whenever things are getting hard. I think it's not as hard as ever get though, is it? Let's fucking power on. Um, and like I say, fucking about it, a lot of people know me. Say when I, when they go, oh, this is hard, and I'll just say, should try find the Taliban, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and like that's my experience. So we're knocking there. No, no, I think it's coming from and the on, side. On that happy note, maybe we need to start wrapping it up. Yeah. No. Um, but um, right, how do people get and follow what you're doing and and? Your courses and your challenges yeah. and all that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Robust Tours, uh, Instagram, Face UV, uh, John Beamson. R-O-B-U-S-T. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you, yeah. Just one T, so it's Robust T Tours. So, um, and then John Beamson on LinkedIn, same again, all the W dots, robusttours.com. Uh, so, sort of on TikTok, but sort of don't know if I like it enough. Um, it's a bit. It's, <laughs> a bit full on in it um and and just book on and come and see it do you know what i mean i'm excited to meet loads of new people um the title's fucking there i've got a belt i've got a legitimate fucking heavyweight championship belt <laughs> and uh i'm not i'm not handing it off to anyone so <laughs> anyone who's listening who's got a bit about them just don't tell me how tasty you are come and fucking show me how tasty you are and that's that and uh here it's been a pleasure coming on the show mate and You've got a great podcast, a great setup. 
and you're doing loads for the community, mate, and I wish you all the best and, you know, keep on taking over the world. Cheers, dude, appreciate it. I say you, mate, keep doing the do. Fucking keep smashing it. Mate. Yeah. Get Cheers, that, mate. Just keep spending that energy. It's fucking got <laughs> enough of it. <laughs> That's it. Thank you for listening to the HR podcast. You can become a patron of HR by going to patreon.com forward slash HK podcasts. Thank you to the sponsors again for this podcast. DevSoc, the development society, a community of people who want to be better than they were yesterday. If you want to, if you want to improve yourself, DevSoc is a good place to start. Go to the development society.co.uk. Sign up for the daily waves newsletter. Also sponsoring the podcast with the Aardvark group. They operate in post-conflict areas. They clear the world of dodgy stuff, landmines, unexploded ordnance, etc. And they, uh, they they protect and manage territories, borders, assets, and people for a global customer base. They also have a shop. Where you can, if you're a kind of person who, or if you're in an industry where you work in post-conflict zones, you can go on the on the shop at Aardvark.group and pick up some kit that you may need: trauma packs, individual first aid kits, and also you get a free patch from them. Aardvark patch in the process. I like the patches. I got one on my wall. And then finally. Rugby for Heroes were sponsoring this podcast. They've got an event on the 14th of, no, 26th of June. And at that event is going to be the Forces Barbarians. It's going to be the Pacific, Island, Pacific Islanders Rugby Club. There's going to be a lot of ex-military people. There's going to be a lot of ex-podcast guests. Mike, the guy who runs Rugby for Heroes, he'll be there. There'll be beer, there'll be gin, there'll be food. They will be good times. 26th of June, head over to Rugby for Heroes, so at Rugby Number 4 Heroes, to get the Eventbrite link to sign up for your free tickets. It's free. That's it. See you there. Until the next time. Out.